Welcome back to Astro Vibes, a podcast where I get down to the nerdy, dirty details about this ancient language and sometimes about you. I'm your host and astrologer, Garo, and moving right along with our Rising Sign series, today I'm going to tell you about Gemini and Sagittarius. You'll learn about the signs themselves, what they look like as a rising sign, and I'll also guide you through a couple of steps to help analyze a Gemini or Sagittarius Risings chart to learn more about their ascendant. I'm extra excited about this week because I've gotten permission to reference some example charts belonging to my sibling Karina and one of my best friends Stephanie. They both have strong Gemini and Sagittarius influences in their birth chart. Gone are the days of hypothetical chart situations. Thank God for me. <laughs> Thank you so much for letting me study your chart. It was so fun to write this episode with you in mind, and I think our audience will appreciate the added nuance. As a reminder, I'm not doing holistic chart analyses on the podcast yet the way that I do with my clients' charts. The steps that I outline are only to better understand what's going on with the rising sign component. As a result, the information I share about these people is incomplete. There is a lot more happening in the chart that makes up who they are. In taking these steps, we're just learning about their motivations for doing things, the impression they give off, the way they present to the world, and how that works based on my humble interpretations of these symbols. Also, this isn't the only method that you can use to analyze the rising sign. There are plenty of ways that you can do this, and this is just mine. If you want to see what a real holistic chart reading looks like, guess what? You can have a reading with me! <laughs> I said that weird. My booking website is calendly.com slash underscore. The link is in the show notes. I offer birth chart analyses, sun, moon, and rising readings, and solar return chart readings. We can get down to your nerdy, dirty, dirty, dirty chart details. It's hard to say. I did this to myself. Let's try it again. We can get down to your nerdy, dirty chart details in a one-on-one -on -one session. I haven't mentioned this yet, but you get a cute slideshow and a copy of my notes included in the reading feed <laughs> to leave you with something to return to as you learn more about your chart. I also do recordings of the sessions if you want to do the audio of it. Again, the link to my website is in the show notes. So, on to the reason why we're all here. Gemini and Sagittarius rising. They're polar opposites in the zodiac. Gemini is associated with the third house, the house of early learning, speaking and listening, mind, siblings, neighbors, and short trips. A lot. Sagittarius isn't associated with the ninth house, Higher learning, journeys, travel, my cat, <laughs> just kidding, spirituality, philosophy, and faith. That's the ninth house. At their core, they're both about the mind and about the process of learning. Gemini is about the earlier learning processes, like what you learn about when you're a kid, and Sagittarius is about the learning that happens after you've gotten the basics down. You need the basics. Gemini, to be able to contextualize higher concepts and the meaning of life, Sagittarius. Gemini and Sagittarius are both mutable signs. In the Northern Hemisphere, 
Gemini marks the end of the season of spring, when it's starting to get hotter and more humid, and gardens burst with fruits and flowers. Summer is around the corner, and we celebrate graduation. Sagittarius marks the end of the season fall, preparing us for winter. If you live in Chicago like I do, there is no going back now. It's so fucking cold your face hurts when you go outside, and it's gonna stay that way until airy season in April. For many, it's also a season of gathering and celebrating holidays through generational traditions. Mutable signs ease us into the process of change. Their strengths include that they're highly adaptable and flexible, they're great at doing the work that's necessary to finish a project, and they're always coming up with new ideas. Mutable signs are not so good at starting things, organizing and managing, and sitting still. While Gemini and Sagittarius are both mutable signs, their visceral experience of life is different. Gemini is an air sign, and Sagittarius is a fire sign. Gemini's experience of life is more in its head and relationships than Sagittarius's, which is about taking enthusiastic action in the real world, whatever that means. Their elements are very aligned with their rulers, Mercury and Jupiter, who we'll talk more about in a bit. Time for the spotlight on Gemini. Its archetype is the messenger, and its symbol looks like the Roman numeral for two, but a little curvier. It's represented by the twins. There's a mythological background here, but for now, let's think about twins. Twins have one of the most special connections you can have as a human being. A close sibling or a best friend has a similar vibe. You're always connecting, always in dialogue with each other, even non-verbally. This is Gemini's natural habitat. Gemini is a mutable air sign that's ruled by Mercury. Thinking back to Gemini's season of late spring, it's a big time for pollination. It's helpful for me to think of Gemini like a bee buzzing around, picking up pollen from one flower and taking it to another, spreading it around. That's Gemini, but with information. It loves the spread of it, accumulating it, consuming it, dispersing it around town. It's witty, loves puzzles, and taking in all types of media. It stays busy. It perceives the world strongly, all of it, all the time. And it loves to talk or write about what it's perceiving. It's the air sign most concerned with communication. This is where it gets its reputation for talkativeness from. Gemini needs variety or it'll get bored. And no one hates being bored more than Gemini. It can be easily distractible because it's so attuned to every little thing it observes. And it wants to save as much of it it can in its sharp ass brain. <laughs> they can multitask like no other and they often focus better when they're doing this. On the darker side, I feel like Gemini's trigger warning, gaslighting conversation happening right now. Take a minute if you need gaslighting. Okay. I feel like Gemini's could be great gaslighters or very sensitive to getting gaslit. I say this because Gemini is so entrenched in its mind and it likes to believe that everything it perceives is a true fact. 
Gaslighting usually happens via communication by invalidating feelings or denying that things happened when they clearly did. The gaslit person internalizes that they're being ridiculous or misremembering things. All of it is very mercurial. Not all Geminis are gaslighters or prone to being gaslit. But I would definitely watch out for this wherever Gemini falls in your chart, because you have Gemini too. Let's think more about Gemini's ruler, Mercury. It's the planet closest to the sun, and it completes its orbit in only 88 days. About three times a year, Mercury goes retrograde, meaning it appears to be moving backwards from our perspective on Earth. All planets go retrograde over time. When planets are retrograde, they're not functioning like normal. And when that happens, the principles of life they rule over get a little out of whack for us, too. I wanted to make sure to mention to all my Gemini sun, moon, and risings out there, as well as my Virgos, that Mercury retrogrades hit you especially hard. And I'm sorry about that. If I were you, I would mark that shit down in my calendar, since it's a guaranteed weird time three times a year. As I read this description of the planet, again from Cosmos and Psyche by Richard Tarnas, keep in mind this idea to understand what parts of life you can expect to get weird during our next Mercury retrograde coming up from January 14th to February 3rd, 2022. Mercury. The principle of mind, thought, communication, that which articulates the primary creative energy and renders it intelligible. The impulse and capacity to think, to conceptualize, to connect and mediate, to use words and language, to give and receive information, to make sense of, to grasp, to perceive and reason, understand and articulate, to transport, translate, transmit, the principle of Logos, Hermes the messenger of the gods. This is the ruler of Gemini rising. It kind of runs the show of their life. Whatever Mercury is doing in the current sky is extra important for them. And so is where Mercury is and what Mercury is doing in their birth chart. <clears throat> Gemini rising is the busy pollinating bee. They think fast, ask lots of questions, and are physically zippy, like they might enjoy running or they just walk really fast. They have an internal drive for gathering and distributing things. They love a good mental challenge. They might be big verbal processors and need to talk out what they're thinking or feeling to get out of their busy minds. They're always sharing, listening, and probably writing too. They're motivated by always being in communication exchanges with someone or something, even if it's just their own thoughts. They might be seen as really animated in discussions and as great listeners who always look like they're really trying to understand what you're saying, even if they're not, which they might not be, <laughs> because who knows what's really going on in that speedy little brain while you're talking. Unlike fixed and earth signs, mutable Gemini rising <clears throat> Mutable Gemini Rising doesn't really prioritize stability and security in life. They feel most comfortable in the state of questioning and changing as they learn new things. Gemini Rising 
is motivated by experiencing the variety of life, whether that's subjects to learn about, relationships, or every flavor of their favorite ice cream brand. They want to see all there is to see, know all there is to know. And they want people to recognize that and validate it. A Gemini rising who has not been validated for their curiosity and sharp mind is a sad Gemini indeed. Let's look at a living, breathing Gemini Rising's chart. Her name is Karina, and they are my sister. Karina is a Gemini Rising with a Leo Sun and a Sagittarius Moon. Yes, Gemini and Sag. Can you see why I wanted to read this chart for you? <laughs> I decided I'm going to start doing the elements up front, because that just makes so much more sense when I'm looking at a real chart. This way we can get the bigger picture first and then zoom in. So here we go. Elements. Karina has five planets and points in fire signs, three in water, two in earth, and two in air. They're very fiery, but they have a good mix going on, as most of us do. Most of their personal planets lie in fire signs, including both their sun and their moon. This means their experience of life is rooted in enthusiasm, radiance, and an action-oriented sense of the world that comes out in both their inner and their outer expression. To me, their fieriness comes out most when they're expressing themselves around something they're passionate about, like feminist theory or Harry Styles. <laughs> anyway. Although there's not a ton of planets and points there, we know that air is also important because of the rising sign, and also because their personal planet Mars is in Libra. Air and fire energies are working together in this chart. Gemini rising with Leo sun makes for someone who's going to bring brainy energy to Leo's look at me, look at me tendencies. Leos need recognition and praise, or they will lose their shit. <laughs> This type of Leo might prefer that recognition be about their intellect and their capacity for communicating. Then, if we look at the moon, it's in fiery Sagittarius, in the seventh house of committed partnerships, which is an air house. It's Libra's home. So there we have another emphasis on this air and fire combination. I love this for them. The two earth signs are generational planets, and two of the water signs are too, so we won't talk much about those today. But I do want to talk about the other personal point that's in a water sign, because it's one that gives us a nudge to not neglect how important water energy is in their life. Their MC in Pisces, in the 10th house, the house of career and public roles. The MC is not a planet, it's a point, an angle on the chart that represents your higher calling in life. It's more than your work or career, it's what you're meant to contribute to this world and to leave behind as a legacy. Having the MC in the 10th house means that your career might actually line up with your calling in life. I have mine like that, and it's true. Having both of these in a water sign might mean that they're being called to a role in life that involves dealing with feelings in a Piscean way like through creativity, intuition, and super sensitivity. Interpret that as you will, buddy. <laughs> I don't want to interpret it for you, because it's your calling, you know? We'll talk about it. 
So the NC part was a bit of a tangent because it has nothing to do with the rising sign. But I thought it was interesting and then it also works out because there's an NC rising sign connection in our next example chart. But moving on, they have no planets in their first house. So that just means that there's no specific planetary archetype that they physically emulate. So we'll go straight to looking at where is Mercury and what aspect is Mercury making in the chart. Their Mercury is in Leo in the third house, right there with their Sun and Venus. Fun fact, with the Sun and Venus also in the third house, this means they have a third house stellium or three or more personal planets in one house and sign. So that adds emphasis to this sign and house. The personal planets are the Sun, Moon, Mercury, Venus, and Mars. We don't count the social and outer planets, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto as personal planets because their positions are common among generations, thus making them less personal. So, personal planet and ruler Mercury is in Leo, a place where the planet is neither inhibited or enhanced because it's in neutral territory. While we're on the subject, here are the dignities of Mercury. They are pretty simple. Mercury is at home in Gemini and Virgo and struggles when it's in Sagittarius and Pisces. It's neutral everywhere else because it's pretty adaptable. The thing about this Mercury in Leo is that it's no ordinary Mercury in Leo. It's in the third house, the house that this planet rules, because it's the house that's associated with Gemini. This adds some extra Gemini influence to this chart, and it gives Mercury a boost of importance and power. Third house topics are where they'll most immediately experience their mercurialness, and in the house of basic learning and dialogue, it's very happy here. But to really get a sense of how this Mercury functions, we have to look at the aspects it's making in relation to the other planets. Karina's Mercury is making two aspects to a point and a planet in her chart. First, they have a sextile from Mercury to their ascendant. This is a 60 degree separation, indicating a little gift or blessing that she has. Not as strong a gift as a trine, but it still indicates positive potential. Unlike with trines, which are gifts and talents that are just second nature to a person, with sextiles, you have to try a little bit to use them. However, this is a strong-ass Mercury, so it's more powerful than your average sextile. Having this aspect between her chart ruler and her rising sign means that her mind, intellect, communication, Mercury things, flow positively with her rising sign point, the point that denotes motivation for life and the persona you share with other people. These skills are sharp. <laughs> They're sharp and deeply embedded into who she is and how others see her. Mercury in Leo brings a liveliness and a spark of fire to this presentation. As this person's sister, I can definitely attest to these qualities. Their witty banter, mental agility, and passion are a huge part of how they impress upon the world. <clears throat> Second aspect. They have a square, or a 90 degree separation, 
from Mercury in Leo in the third house to Pluto in Scorpio in the sixth. A square is an aspect that denotes tension between two planets, a challenging dynamic. And also, a square is an opportunity for growth if the individual is able to learn the, ne the lessons necessary to integrate the two planets. The Mercury-Pluto combination can make for people who are great with language, research, and exposing things. Pluto is like, let's go deep and transform this shit, while Mercury is already googling, scribbling down notes, and starting the manuscript. Having these two in a square means that challenges arise in using these two planets' energies together. They're not listening to each other, and they're invalidating each other's ideas instead of building off each other's work. However, back to Karina's Mercury, which is a supercharged Mercury, and she could, and I've seen she does, draw on this brain strength to help bring out the best in Pluto. I love this square for her. I've seen it come out and how their papers in college were so well thought out and deep. It seems like they would literally go into the underworld of their mind and ponder over every single thing they saw there, then come back out and not settle until the words on the page match the intensity of the writing experience. That's Mercury Square Pluto if I ever saw it. There's a couple more aspects I want to quickly mention that alter the expression of their ascendant, and they are the ascendant square Chiron in the 4th house and the ascendant square Saturn in the 10th house. These are tense aspects between her identity and 4th and 10th house things. We'll talk more about this axis in the Cancer and Capricorn episode, but at their core, they're both about wanting security. In a reading, I would ask questions about these themes to learn more about how do these aspects play out. Although, Karina, I think you and me both know what these are all about. LOL. What's most important to know about them is that they bring some tension and inner conflict to the rising sign's expression. This makes that Mercury Ascendant sextile a big asset that, if taken advantage of, could help her overcome the challenges these squares represent. Yay, my sibling! This has been a great example in how the rising sign can be modified so easily by the ruler's placement and the rising-related aspects. Her super mercury really seals the show, and you wouldn't know just how important it is if you stopped at knowing that they're Gemini rising. And yet, there's so much more. This was just an analysis of the rising sign and its related components. Time for a quick break, and we'll talk about Sagittarius rising. If you like the music played on the break, which you will, <laughs> check out the show notes for song and artist information. Talk to you in a second.
we're back talking now about Sagittarius. Its archetype is the explorer and it's a mutable fire sign. Its symbol looks like an arrow with two little lines going through it. It's represented by a centaur or a half man and half horse being. Its season is late fall, a time where we're starting to freeze our asses off and stay indoors more often, looking back at the year that we've had. Perhaps we're being more introspective and wondering, what's the meaning of all of this? I know I am. <laughs> this is what Sagittarius wonders all of the time, but not in a hopeless, nihilistic sort of way. Sagittarius is excited about this question and will do anything to find out the answer. It wants to know the truth in life with a capital T. This is rooted in the deep faith that there is meaning in the world and in the universe. You just have to go out and find it. Sagittarius is brave and adventurous enough to leave its comfort zone regularly in order to find the answers to its big questions. By taking action to experience the unfamiliar, Sagittarius is always evolving in its beliefs about the world. It's still, it doesn't sit still, either physically or mentally. It feels constricted by routines and structures, and it craves the variety in life. Like Gemini, Sagittarius is a brainy sign. It also collects information, asks questions, seeks answers, distributes information. But Gemini is about the basics. Sagittarius uses the basics to achieve higher learning and a deeper understanding of philosophical questions in life. It too wants to know everything there is to know and see everything there is to see. But rather than simply collecting the information and taking it in as facts, Sagittarius wants to marinate in it, ponder over it, and relate it to the larger question of why are we all here? <laughs> it likes to distribute these well-pondered thoughts through teaching others, and they can open your mind through sharing their vision. On the darker side, Sagittarius might treat others like they're inferior because it thinks it knows everything. I mean, it does know a lot, but relax, you don't need to make other people feel bad, jeez. It also might be... Bleh. It also might be overenthusiastic and trusting of life, and this could get Sagittarius in tricky situations, although its mutability does help it adapt. Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter, whose qualities it inherits. Here's a description of Jupiter from a new text, and it's called uh, The Inner Sky by Stephen Forrest. Jupiter. The king of the gods, the most massive planet in the solar system. If we took all the other planets, all the moons, asteroids, meteors, comets, everything but the sun, and rolled them up in a ball, they would still not equal the weight of this single planet. A planet with stellar pretenses. That's Jupiter. Like an exiled king, he has set up a minor empire, a safe distance from the true center of power. From there, he dominates the outer reaches of the solar system and reigns over a huge retinue of moons, four of them the size of Mercury. But Jupiter is no tyrant. That is not his spirit. 
He is more like a celestial good king Wenceslaus. <laughs> Expensive, generous, cheerful, he's considered the most fortunate of planets by traditional astrologers. One word captures the essence of Jupiter. Faith. A faith in life. An unshakable certainty that life is worth living. So now you see where Sagittarius gets its optimism, faith in life, and expansive mental capacity. Horace describes Jupiter in mainly positive terms, which is a real and accurate interpretation, but planetary archetypes are more complex than good or bad planets. Every planet has the potential to bring mischief into our lives. For Jupiter, its expansive quality can make for some trouble. It always wants more, bigger, and better. Sometimes that's great and super helpful. But being ruled by this planet could also mean inheriting the idea that nothing is ever quite good enough. Never truly settling into the present moment, because there could always be more. It could also mean overextending yourself for the sake of this more, especially when it comes to giving to others, which it loves to do. As I go into Sagittarius rising, keep in mind this more 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 quality of Jupiter and consider how it applies. So what about Sagittarius rising? Well, for this rising sign, a Jupiterian approach to life runs the show. Sag rising might be your super adventurous friend who's always traveling either physically or in their mind through learning about new cultures. They also might be the optimistic visionary who's willing to take professional risks but misses the smaller details. They could be the professor with a sense of humor who is really into theory but unbound by one particular framework. Sagittarius lives for this quest for deeper knowledge and understanding of the truth. Their arrows are always pointed towards something that aligns with its higher beliefs in the world whatever they may be at the time. Sag Risings are great at tackling new situations with a sometimes unfounded trust that things will work out. They might be <clears throat> less inclined towards acting like their perspective is the perspective than Sagittarius Sun because Sagittarius Rising shows up more in their internal drive than in their daily expression. Let's take a real life Sagittarius Rising, for example. My wonderful friend Stephanie, my wonderful Stephanie, is a Sagittarius Rising. I know a lot of Stephanies, so I can't say that, but I have three wonderful Stephanies. This is one of them. I love you all. <laughs> okay, my wonderful friend Stephanie is a Sagittarius Rising with a Gemini Sun and a Capricorn Moon. To the elements for our context. Stephanie has five planets and points in air, including the Gemini Stellium, four in earth, two in water, and one very important one in fire being the rising sign, which lights a spark of adventure into the way they find motivation in life. The heavy air influence ensures the mind and relationships as this chart's primary mode of experience, with a groundedness in material and sensory reality from the earth planets. There's just a sprinkle of water in the chart, but it plays an important part, with Mars and Cancer directing their energy towards feelings and nurturance. Having a Sagittarius rising with the Gemini Sun 
makes for a double dose of curiosity, inquisitiveness, adaptability, and love of learning and experiencing new things to their outer expression. Stephanie is pretty brainy and smart. This also brings the first house, seventh house axis of self versus other to the mix, perhaps indicating the importance of the balance between relationship with self and partnership. I see Stephanie's Gemini and Sagittarius-ness in how they're a great listener and how they aren't really about simple and petty dialogue. They want to go deeper. They want to learn the truth about how you really feel and what's really going on. And they like to share in the same way, which I love. Back to the chart. <laughs> first, we want to look at whether there are any planets in the first house. Technically, there isn't one. But with the moon at 0 degrees Capricorn and the ascendant at 28 degrees Sagittarius, that's a conjunction, baby. <laughs> Sorry. Baby. <laughs> okay, they're inextricably connected. Remember, the ascendant and the moon. Having the moon conjunct the ascendant could mean that your sensitive, caring, and nurturing self comes out in every encounter that you have. Your need for safety and security and providing those things to the world is central to your identity and persona. In Sagittarius, this nurturing energy is radiant, warm, and enthusiastic. All of these things apply to Stephanie as I know them. They deeply care about all living creatures, including people, animals, and plants. And they're very soothing to be around. They are a fellow social worker and therapist, and they nurture for a living. Their fiery nature, not to mention Mars and Cancer, ensures that if you mess with the people they care about, they will not hesitate to pop off on you. Don't mess with them. Or me, alright? <laughs> or me. So, we know that the chart ruler is Jupiter, so let's find it. Look, there it is, in Gemini conjunct Venus in the seventh house, the same house of her son, and Mercury. Stellium alert! Lots of Gemini and 7th house influence. Jupiter is what's called in detriment in Gemini. It means it struggles here, but it's not having the worst possible time like it does in Capricorn. Jupiter is at home in Sagittarius and Pisces, and has a good time in Cancer. So we know Jupiter's not functioning at its best in Stephanie's chart, but the type of aspects between Jupiter and other planets are important to consider before we jump to conclusions about how challenging this placement might be. Stephanie has Jupiter exactly conjunct Venus in the 7th house. Their Jupiter and Venus function as one. This sounds very cute, but I'm sure that it can be challenging too. Having a strong 7th house stellium in an air sign with Venus expanded by Jupiter <laughs> means that there's a shit ton of focus on relationships with others. Having the sun there tells us that partnerships are integral to the way they express themselves in daily life, and they shine their brightest within them. Being so externally focused could become draining if people aren't reciprocating Stephanie's giving, giving nature. Part of the challenge could be balancing relationship to others and relationship to self, that first 7th house axis. Luckily, they have this lovely moon ascendant conjunction to turn to for self-nurturing in these moments. 
Jupiter conjunct Venus means that whatever aspect Ju Jupiter makes in the chart, Venus also makes. The only other aspect they're making is a grand and fortuitous trine to Stephanie's MC. Their higher calling in life is in fellow air sign Libra in the 11th house, making the how of the way that they'll achieve their calling through Libran things, relationships, fairness, balance, and conscious discernment. The where that they might achieve this calling is in their 11th house, or the house of like-minded friends, groups, and hopes and dreams for the future. Having a trine connecting Jupiter and Venus with the MC means that these naturally work together, helping Stephanie achieve their higher calling through the arenas of the 7th and 11th house. Interestingly, Stephanie has said that for some reason they always get along well with Libras. Yay, Libras! This feels related to this trine, and one way I'm interpreting it is that Libran relationships could be helpful in supporting them, like this trine, as they get to the calling that their MC indicates. All of this feels very cute and also therapisty and social worky to me, and I love that. So that's where the ruler is in the chart and what it's doing. The last place to look is to see whether there are any aspects being made to the ascendant, and in this case, we have one. There is an ascendant moon opposition to Chiron in the 8th house. There's a tug of war between Stephanie's watery wound in the house of transformation and shared resources, and the way nurturing works as a piece of their identity. I would love to ask more questions about this dynamic to really understand what's going on here. There's some missing information that only they have, and if this were a real reading, we would have a whole conversation about it and figure out how it works together. But it's just me and my limited knowledge here, so oh well. That's all we get. Overall, this chart gives us the picture of a Sagittarius rising with a sensitive and nurturing persona, who cares a lot about their partnerships and communications, of which they have an abundance. They love in big ways, and they want to know the truth about things. They are a lovely friend, and they have a very cute chart. Yay! Okay, we did it! <laughs> Now you know some stuff about Gemini and Sagittarius rising. This has been Astrovibe, a podcast where I have gotten down to the nerdy dirty details of this ancient language, and certainly about Karina and Stephanie. Will you be next? Find out next week. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For more content, follow Ambient Vibes Music on social media, and check out the merch for Astrovibes at ambientvibesmusic.com slash av store check out the show notes if you want to book a reading with me talk to you next week bye bye